This podcast and the many that follow are proudly brought to you by our partner, Titleist, the number one ball in golf. Now, as it relates to earning an edge, our friends at Titleist have been the leaders since the early 1900s. And in order to compete and win at the highest level, frankly, there's no room for second best. For this reason, the best players in the world trust Titleist. Hi, I'm Cameron McCormick. I want to welcome you to the Earn Your Edge podcast. By passion and by practice, we at Altus are driven to decode the difference makers that high performers possess, the ways and means they use to earn their edge, to create separation from mass, to leave mediocrity in their rearview mirror and travel a pathway to mastery. Be it through nature or nurture or a mixture of both, the journey to uncover these things is the journey that we're on. And today I'm joined by Rick Shields, and he's a person that inside of the golf world needs no introduction, especially if you're tuned into the um, many social channels that he dominates with 436,000 YouTube subscribers. Get your head around that. 61,000 Twitter, 117,000 Instagram followers. And I'm not too sure of all of the social media channels that you are involved in, but those make me sit back and go, wow. And I guess our audience covers a wide gamut of demographics and interests. So I think it's therefore important that we cover some of the territory of background with a uh, a few questions. So Rick, we'll lead off with the first one, which is a big umbrella question of who is Rick Shields? <laughs> wow. What a great start. It's a broad one, huh? <laughs> well, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I, I have to say, Cameron, I've been a huge fan over the episodes that I've been listening to. Always happy to share them with my followers, you know, some of some of the best podcasts I've listened to. So thanks so much for having me on as a guest. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. So who is Rick Shields? So I'm a I'm a golf professional. I am a husband i'm a father of three young children i live in uh, the northwest of england and i pretty much started golf around the kind of age of 10 or 11. i very quickly fell in love with golf the development of golf the the hunger to get better Mm -hmm. and as i progressed in in my younger years i kind of knew that i wanted a a job a career in golf and i i soon realized that playing golf wasn't particularly my uh my strongest forte for a professional level at the highest standard so i realized soon enough that i wanted to become a coach and help others improve and, and get better at golf so let's take a quick break in the action to recognize one of our partners under armor It's Under Armour's mission to make all athletes better through passion, design, and the relentless pursuit of innovation. And that ethos or mission statement couldn't be more aligned with the Earn Your Edge podcast. We're thankful to be powered by Under Armour. I was at a beautiful golf course called Mere Golf and Country Club, which is in uh, south of Manchester in Nutsford. Beautiful resort really stunning golf course i met a lot of very you know in my lifetime at 18 year old a lot of influential people who helped guide me and and direct me and one of those professionals who i worked under i worked under two main professionals the head professional peter air who really gave me a sense of business and what was needed to become successful over a long period of time in the golf industry but also i worked under a golf professional called natalie adams who was a teaching professional and she had forged a very successful coaching business in junior coaching, beginners coaching, and also she attracted a lot of female players because obviously she was female. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that kind of age between 18 to 21, as I was going through my PGA qualifications, it soon became apparent to me that, hold on, I, I really like the coaching. 
I'm really getting into this coach. You know what it was? It was the fascination that you can have an impact on someone's game. Right on. It was the fascination that you could actually develop and give give a lot of value back to a golfer that potentially is either struggling, who wants to play this, you know, wants to play golf to a better level, mm-hmm. or golfers who are at a very good level already and they want to still push on and get even better that that you know that strive for perfection right for your better players was something that really interested him so i had a very broad open mind when it came to coaching i loved getting new people into coach uh, golf because that was a you know a big thing for me because you know looking back at the the way that i got into golf i was just you know i fell into golf it was a complete utter accident really and if I could have had a, an impact on more golfers picking up golf, enjoying it, making it their hobby, making it their you know uh, pastime with their friends and family, then I felt like it was such a powerful tool yeah, to have. You know, it is. And then yeah. junior coaching, I really love junior coaching. You know, I used to take kids on as young as three and three and four year olds, and you know, make it super simple again, bringing that element of fun, the fun that I used to have as as a kid at a golf venue, as much as I didn't play golf when i was that young i understood what it meant to have fun at a golf venue so there was there was limited in my opinion in my classes there were limited you know structured rules i wanted it to be engaged i wanted it to be fun i wanted those kids to walk away and go i can't wait to go back to 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 play golf next week i can't wait to go back and whack a golf ball next week i can't you know and that was really that was something i really developed and, and grew a very strong junior golf academy there under Natalie. Mm-hmm. She was she had her own golf academy. I was forging my own golf academy. I was running about, how many classes was I running at the peak? Probably about maybe 12 to 15 classes a week that were packed with six juniors in each class mm-hmm. uh, from the age of three and four all the way up to, you know, 16, 17-year-old. Goodness me. Um, <laughs> you, know, you know, juniors. And it, it was, but that's all I did really. I, I worked in the shop for 30 hours and then, you bolt on 15, 12, 15 junior classes on, on the top of that. And it's and very you don't have much of a life <laughs> outside of golf. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it is life, right? <laughs> well, it is life. You know, what is a day off? You mm-hmm. know, what is a day off when we have a job that... Particularly when it gives you so much joy. You know, there's a... Um, sorry to interject. There's a, there's a gentleman here, a friend of mine, a psychologist that works in the sports industry here named Michael Gervais. He actually does a podcast called Finding Mastery that I absolutely love. And he says... He measures success, success of the day based on the number of times the hair is on the back of his neck stand up. And when you start describing <laughs> nice. what it is about coaching, it's the feeling of helping someone improve, of helping someone, someone do something that they couldn't do without your help. That makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. And when you didn't Correct. describe the putting smiles on faces with kids, whether they're four years old all the way up to 15, 16 years old that you would spend countless hours with. That's, that's for me where um, passion and love and the things that you do that make your heart sing or the hair stand up on the back of your neck. And it certainly speaks to someone that does things for the right reasons. I slowly started to build a client base. I brought in my new location in Manchester. wasn't a million miles away from where I was already coaching, so I brought some students across. So I always, I already had a little bit of a stepping stone. Um, and then a couple of years, kind of probably about a year, two years, so 2012. This would have been now. I realised that hold on, I need to really start to 
you know, I want, I want to now be the busiest. I want to become the, the most popular coach here. I want to grow it to a level where you know, I'm, I'm full. And I still felt like the young pup. I felt, still felt like a young professional. I was in my 20, how old were I been? 20, 24, 25 at that age. Mm-hmm. So I was like, right, I need to, um, I need to grow. So the conventional ways back then was to, to become a featured professional in, in a golf magazine mm-hmm. you know that, that was the number one thing that was a goal of mine when i was younger to become a you know a top 25 coach whatever it may be so at the time i reached out to all the magazines you know trying to get out get a way of being able to promote myself without it costing me a lot of money and i got rejection after rejection because at the time i, I was i wasn't anybody i was i was just a, a young pro trying to trying to chance my luck to get in a, a magazine so once i got enough rejection i was like you know what I'm going to do this myself. YouTube has become a platform now where it was, you know, the how-to movement was really starting to come in. So how to do this, how to do that. You know, whenever you wanted to search how to change a plug, how to change whatever it may be, you know, how to tile your bathroom, you'd go on YouTube and search how-to and suddenly all these videos would pop up. And I was like, well, hold on, this this has to be happening in golf. It was, there was, next to nobody doing it i was like yeah that was my next question who else was around at the time doing this for golf oh god there was, there was hardly anybody mm-hmm. um the names that probably stood out was piers and andy from me and my golf yep yep they were very much creating coaching content there was uh, mark crossfield mm-hmm. so he was on there he was creating content and then pretty much that was it. You know, there wasn't many American channels. There was a few, none of them that kind of stick out to my mind right now. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to chance. I'm going to do this. So um, one of the steepest learning curves I ever did was I, I had no idea. I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to video. I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to do anything. The only thing I knew that I, I was fairly decent at was delivering content. I felt like <laughs> Teaching I, I, lesson, right? Yeah. Yeah, I knew I, I knew I was good at showcasing what my message was. I knew that I had a, a level of decent communication skill. And also, it sounds sounds silly, but even when I was at school, I, you know, I was passionate with drama. So I used to I used to take drama classes, and I, and it was actually my best qualification coming out of school. I got an A star in drama. So mm-hmm. uh, I don't know what you call it over here, over there, theatrical arts or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then my second qualification was my best qualification was in sports studies. <laughs> there you go. So, so I thought, hold on, there's something in this. <laughs> I reckon I can use both of at least some level of talent to, to try and get a career. So I enlisted the um, services of, a, of an editor, a videographer and editor. He charged me a lot of money. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I thought at the time that was, that was just what I had to do. I thought I was the going rate. Right. Yeah. But in my head, I thought, well, hold on. If I pay for this guy who's going to video my these tips for me, just tips, that's all I was aiming for at the time, and edit them, well, if I can get maybe 20 to 30 videos done in a day, <laughs> it just about pays pays for the amount of money I'm paying for this, for this guy. That was a steep learning curve <laughs> because I think we got maybe five <laughs> videos. Well, five, yeah. He was a bit of a perfectionist which wasn't really what the angle I was going to go on. And I think also he kind of played me a little bit because he thought, well, hold on, he's paying me one set fee here. Yeah. 
I'm not I'm not gonna be doing thirty videos, thank you very much. I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna stick to five and make sure we only do five. So the deal structure on the front end was just bad. <laughs> a little bit. I think there's a lot of forced retakes from his end to yeah. make sure that I didn't go that we ran out of light basically. <laughs> so anyway, at least I got some videos out of it. I got five videos, I pushed them online and nothing happened. Yeah. Crickets, right? Like, <laughs> no one like, watched them. Five views oh, in two weeks. <laughs> wow, wow! This is uh, this is not what I had in plan, you know. Because in my head, I just I just threw a lot of money at this. I'm thinking, yeah. what the hell have I just done? Yeah. So so I thought, you know what? Right, I learned a lot. I learned a lot there in what it takes to to film. What what kind of equipment I need? You know, what kind of camera I need? A little study again. You know, you used YouTube as a platform to be able to figure out how to do YouTube. So, mm-hmm. you know, I searched how to YouTube, how to do YouTube and there was enough videos on there that told you what camera to buy, to what audio to buy, to, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I thought, I'm just going to do it myself. Yeah. So I, I did it. I did it myself. I was coaching. This is the, the challenge. I was coaching maybe, maybe 40 to 45 hours of coaching um, at this point. And I thought, well, I'm still not full. I've still got time. You know, I, I want to be aiming for 50, 60 hours of coaching a week. So in this 15 hours a week that I've got spare currently, I'm going to use that effectively to create YouTube content. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I filmed it all myself. I filmed on iPads, on phones, you know, made lots of mistakes, you know. But I also really liked the mistakes. It, it felt like the mistakes were giving it a level of, you know, just realism, just, yeah. just you know. It, Authenticity. It, 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 yeah, it was genuine. Yeah. Correct. Right. So, I, you know, I edit it myself. There was often times, and I look back at God, some of the videos now, and I cringe. I think, oh my God, that's the, it's the worst content. But, but well, interestingly enough, I've, I'm, I'm panning through your your YouTube page here, and I can't even get to the bottom. I'm like sixty five scrolls through, and I'm only three years ago. I'm trying to find one of those original videos. Is there yeah. any chance that it still might be <laughs> well, there if I keep on panning? Well, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret. You're not going to find that many of them anymore. There you go. <laughs> Quality so, control has kicked in. <laughs> Correct. So, I, so let me let me get what's what's the number I've got right now. I think I've got um, I think I've got around seventeen hundred videos on my channel now. Unbelievable. And so, in those in those early days, you were in charge of production, post production, all the edit that goes into that, and then uploading them. And you were working as a professional at the same time. Yeah. Amazing number of balls you were trying to juggle. At, at what at what point did you start to see growth from this? On at least on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. So so I maybe got up to about fifteen videos, and I and I was kind of getting at that tipping point where I was like, is this really worth it? You know, is it actually? What am I doing it for? Um, my, my plan was I was doing it to, be, to become a busy golf coach. Yeah. That was my plan. I, I wanted to entice people to come in for a lesson. Yep. And then suddenly, I, I still remember it to this very day. I was at home, my phone rang, and um, you know, a guy on the end of the phone said, "Listen, this is this is crazy. I live in Birmingham, so I'm you know from me two hours away, an hour and a half. I've watched your video on YouTube, and I'm and suddenly my life." Oh God! This is a it real worked. person. This, this isn't. This isn't. These aren't just numbers. Because maybe I started to get hundreds of views on these videos now. So hundreds of hundreds of views per video. So it wasn't. Still wasn't. You know, crazy. But it was. It was views, which was good. And he said, "You know, I've watched your video. I loved your delivery. I felt like you explained it exactly how I want it explained. I would like to come and book a lesson with you." Beautiful. And I was like, "It's frigging worked." Yes. 
it's worked. You booked that <laughs> lesson, you hung up the phone and you oh went, you my pity, God. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> because it gave, I, you know what, I became, I, there's a couple of things that, that kept me going. I, I got addicted to the process. I got addicted to creating video content and I was proud of it. You know, as much as it wasn't, it was raw, it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't great. I was proud of achieving something. I was proud of having an idea, filming it, editing it, uploading it and having a finished product that I could then publish to the world. And that for me had a level of sense, you know, of, of achievement. Mm -hmm. So as much as regardless of the views, regardless of anyone booking in for a lesson, there was a level of achievement. Right. I don't know how long that would have lasted <laughs> without people starting to book in, but but it, it, it became something I was really passionate about. And then suddenly from there, it was a huge snowball effect. You know, almost every day I was getting phone calls. I want to book a lesson, you know. And, and what was fascinating is because the pros who were there at the time were really only coaching people within within a 15-mile radius, okay, 20-mile radius, where suddenly I was now talking to people from a 100-yard radius away who wanted to book coaching. You know, I started to, you know, get people coming down from scotland for a lesson or up from london from a lesson that these guys are traveling like four or five hours for for a coaching session yeah and I, so i'm now talking to an audience that was way bigger than the other lads were coaching you were you and were essentially suddenly, fishing with a net that no one else was fishing with you cast correct. your net across hundreds correct. of miles correct yeah. and, I, and i think what helped as well it, it's that connection that that when the student would come in for a coaching session because they'd watched videos because they knew how who i look what i look like they knew how i sounded they knew how i delivered my content there was a lovely air of of, of confidence and calmness and almost friendliness straight away which is is something that i still to this very day value with every single student i coach because i think it's one of the hardest kind of relationships to build with a student who doesn't particularly know who you are you know they've just co they've just booked a coaching session let's say mm -hmm. and you're a coach who don't doesn't know anything about the student that first meet obviously it can be it it's can critical. be achieved but it's, it's it's critical it truly is but it's also one of the hardest because you know th there's a lot of there's a lot riding on that first meet there's a lot riding on that the way you, you talk to each other and suddenly you might just annoy someone without intentionally doing it undoubtedly so there's a lot of what we'll call butt sniffing isn't there there's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of feeling out in fact it's so interesting you bring that up because <laughs> butt sniffing i like that <laughs> yeah, we have we have conversations here internally and we've got a presentation that we, we put together and, and give around the world called poaching superpowers and one of those coaching superpowers is an interpersonal skill and the ability to connect with people and fortunate to speak with athletes across sports domains in a recent conversation with Tony Romo, the former quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, about who was the best coach that he ever was coached by. And he said it was Bill Parcells. And the reason that he mentioned for that was the connection. It was yeah. his ability to convey things in such a way that motivated Tony. But you're so spot on in terms of that first five, 10, 30 minute session, that, that, that first interaction you have with a client is so critical, but then it's insightful when you say, I had this competitive advantage because they already knew what they were going to see from me and they knew oh. the personality. I had this relationship that was already almost front end loaded. You had this, it was, it was honestly great. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was so, it was so wonderful it, and it kind of really, it really set a precedent to how I, how I coached 
the students as well because I wasn't as I wasn't as worried about being someone I wasn't for that first coaching session not that I was ever trying to put a, an act on but I could truly and utterly be myself I could truly and utterly deliver what I knew was the correct information for that student to get better and actually because of that saw tremendous results incredibly quickly in a because short period was a, of time really short because they, that student who had who had seen me online who had traveled hundreds of miles or hours or whatever to come and see me they trusted me yeah they, if i said to them i want you to stand on one leg i want you to to spin around five times with your eyes shut and i want you to hit a ball they would have done it mm-hmm. because there was a level of trust and and that is so unbelievably valuable and I, and I couldn't believe it because i was seeing improvements of students that sometimes would have taken five times the amount of time in the very first one or two sessions because there wasn't that barrier there yeah it was instant change it was instant satisfaction that actually as a, as a student who had come to me as a coach they trusted everything i said yeah. i didn't need to work at it and it was honestly it's, it's still to this day it's one of the regardless of social media and how that's gone into now its own business it's one of the biggest things that i'm always grateful for it for social media is the fact that i've been able to portray who i am to the world as best as i can as, as, as i am so that when my students come and see me there is no there's no difference that, that's me Beautiful. you know and that, that's that's been something that's really powerful yeah and, and that, that dovetails nicely or segues nicely to the next question which is steps to success for social dominance and maybe to put a bow on the last point would be to say that you created this advantage in the first lesson session by essentially putting yourself out there and telling the client what they can expect to see a calling card or a business card that was virtual it was real it was tangible they could essentially kick the tires on a lesson with rick shields in advance and maybe that's a great piece of advice for any rookie coach or any coach out there for that matter that says how can I get a leg up and get a step ahead on that first awkward period? We'll call it the sales pitchy. I've got to convince this person that what I'm telling them is the truth. It's put yourself out there in advance of an instruction session or a meeting with, with a client. So let's ask you steps to success for social dominance. And I think there's many that you've already mentioned. Pulling on that passion and obsession to develop your craft is a very important one. But if there were a couple of points that you would make on maybe points of differentiation between good content that you've produced that gets substantially more views than poor content, I'll let I'll let you run. Yeah, just just very quickly covering back of what you just said there mm-hmm. around that um what can pros do to, to help give themselves that leg up and that advantage. I always remember when I first started social media and actually Twitter was my very, very first platform before YouTube. Okay. And I used to I used to give free advice on there. I used to give, you know, information on there just via characters, you know, on a on a keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I, I always remember a pro, one of the pros who worked with me at the time was like, why why are you doing this? Why are you giving away your your information? Why are you giving it away for free? And why are you doing it on Twitter? And it was really interesting because at the time I actually didn't know. I didn't know why I was giving away information for free, whether it was it was it the love of, of wanting to improve golfers. You know, I'd like to think that's what it was for because I, I did I, I had this urge to give information away. You know, I knew that students would need to apply it by coaching, but I was always keen on giving that, that information away. And I think I probably took information. I took, I probably took that 
that idea from from other genres in social media not just golf and in fact almost definitely not golf where other companies other brands other other influencers at the time on twitter were giving away information mm-hmm. and i was like hold on this has got to be working somehow this has got to be developing somehow i didn't know the science behind it at the time but i do certainly know now so i think giving away information is, is always a bit people are wary of it because they think well if i give it all away why is anyone ever going to pay for that information but i've never seen a downfall in giving information away one of the most staggering things i always remember doing a, a one of my early videos was you know a, a fairly generic slice video how to fix a slice that three dead simple ways that's something that i've always tried to develop in my style of coaching is simplicity. I never want to complicate anything. I never want to sound like I know more information than the student because it, you know, I want to deliver it in a, in a way that's understandable and relatable. And I always remember a guy who, who contacted me and said, I've watched your slice video and I just want to thank you. I've stopped slicing the golf ball. I'm like, <laughs> great, that's, that's super. But I want to book a lesson with you. I was like, all right, okay. You know, is there anything else you want to work on? He went, well, no, actually. I want to make sure that I'm doing everything you said to me correctly. Love it. <laughs> so I actually want to make I want to I want to have your stamp of approval that I'm doing what you've told me to do in the video. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's uh You weren't cannibalizing your business, you were only amplifying and it was a a on ramp onto an in-person coaching uh, session wasn't yeah. it yeah beautiful. i couldn't believe it he, he became he became a, a really good student of mine because he wanted to develop other things because he trusted the process he'd seen results he'd seen improvement and then he was like i want approval on that but yeah. now what, what's next so so go and answer your question about what can steps to success social dominance yeah, yeah. Co- co- coaching in general and social dominance social dominance i would say now and this this is going to be contradicting i think it's the hardest it's ever been Mm. to create social dominance but also there is enough blueprints that have been created that if you follow the right ones and are unique enough and are being consistent enough it's also tremendously easy to get that first thousand subscribers let's say Mm -hmm. so so going back to when i when i first started to get to a thousand subscribers, that was frigging hard work. <laughs> oh my god, that was that was tough because you know I didn't know how many golfers were watching golf on YouTube on, online. You know the other channels that had, had gone before me, they they'd created maybe tens of thousands of subscribers at that point, but I didn't know where the ceiling was. That might have been the ceiling. So creating that first thousand subscribers was bloody hard. It really was. Now, I know now if I created a YouTube channel tomorrow that was called, you know, bloody whatever, Golf YouTube now, I don't, <laughs> um, under a different alias, under a different personality, I think I could get some, a, a thousand subscribers in two weeks. What would the strategies be to achieve that in two weeks? No, you know what it is? It's more the fact there's, there's we, as I've proven on YouTube, there's 437,000 subscribers golfers who are engaged in golf youtube content right now mm-hmm. they're already there they're already they're already watching youtube that that five six years ago that's passed from when i started to where I, you know where it is now there are simply more golfers more people in the world who play golf now watching in that pond content. right that's correct right. yeah where that that wasn't available at the time the pond right. was was scarce it didn't have as many fishing where now yeah. it's full 
Yeah, the, the eyeballs are on YouTube versus they weren't then, and you had to bring the eyeballs there. Correct. Yeah. So gotcha. I would say the, the thousand mark now, where it took me forever to get to a thousand, or what it felt like, I feel like that benchmark now actually sits more like fifty thousand subscribers. Goodness me. <laughs> I think I think to get to fifty thousand subscribers is, is your hardest, and then well, once you get that, it becomes a little bit easier. Well, we at Altus Performance and Cameron McCormick, myself, we're doing a shitty job. <laughs> I've been, well, we've, we've been in this game for a while. We don't have that many, that's for sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry, I didn't. I didn't no, I'm just playing I with you. I'm playing with you. Totally. But, but I think I think the bar is I think the bar is changed now. I think that the that's a good point. Where it's at now is, is definitely changed. So to get to a thousand is easier. So going back to how people can actually create it, I think I think consistency is number one. I would. And again, going taking the Casey Neistat quote, he said along the lines of just keep uploading, mm -hmm. just keep uploading. And, uh, you know, as long as every video you think is getting better, as long as every video you're learning from it, as long as every video you're evolving and creating better content with better audio. I mean, that's not actually the crucial thing, i.e. the audio, the visuals, etc. But if, if the delivery of the content's better, if the, the way that you're, engaging with the audience is better the way that you're enticing the audience to come back and, and and consume more of your content becomes better you'll start to grow an audience mm -hmm. but consistency is the big one keep uploading keep learning from every upload that you you put on and try and learn from it so this is this is my kind of new direction now that that i remember a couple of years ago someone would ask me what's your best five videos on your channel and i would hand pick you know, five videos from, let's say, a thousand at the time that I had on my channel, you know, and some of them might have dated back three years. Some of them might have been last week. Some of them, you know, might have been whatever. Where now my, my, my answer to that question is my last five videos. Yeah, right on. My last five videos are the best videos that are on my channel because they're the best. I've learned so much every single video. And then in, in two weeks, my next, my best five videos will be the last, last five that I've uploaded again so they'll be changing all the time right and frankly we'd expect that you know an iterative quality to this journey to mastery as i mentioned on the front end says that we're always trying to do something that little bit better every minute of the day every day of the week and uh, it echoes the point right correct and i would say that's the one thing that that holds back channels when they don't potentially when they sit and and don't grow and they then they kind of happy with the content that they're making and they maybe don't evolve it as well as they, they could do mm -hmm. so so i think innovation consistency and having those important call to call to actions that bring the viewer back to the channel the viewer what wants to see it so i'll tell you this very quick story about dude perfect this is one of my favorite stories that has ever come out of of youtube so probably dude perfect was the first channel i ever subscribed to eight nine years ago mm -hmm. they were they were the first channel that i set up a youtube account for they were the first channel that i wanted to watch every single piece of content they delivered because it was that good and they i knew they had a, a bit of a background in golf but this was way before i was doing youtube so i, I just thought it was cool so fast forward a few years and, and at the time i was signed with a a YouTube partner called the uh, Whistle Sports, and Whistle Sports, under their stable of channels, also managed Dude Perfect. Now, there was a, a Christmas party that was taking place in London, 
So Whistlesport had invited all the Whistlesport channels to go down and, and meet up. And coincidentally, um, Dude Perfect were also in the UK because they were filming some uh, trick shots with uh, Arsenal Football Club. Mm-hmm. So I thought, how cool would it be if they're at the party? I mean, they, I, literally, I will fangirl over them because they're <laughs> like, they are, they're, I just think they're amazing. So I heard wind that they were coming. I heard wind that they were coming to the party. I was like, oh my God, if I can just literally get if I can get a picture with, with any of the guys, I'll be over the moon, right? So I'm in this party, I'm you know, I'm having a few drinks, having a good time. It was at a bowling alley actually. So, you know, I'm, I'm just seeing what opportunities may come about. But speaking to other channels as well that were there in different genres and sports and everything else. Anyway, you could just tell something was happening. So the the, the whales you would describe it, the whales do perfect were entering the building. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, I'm literally nervous. I'm, I'm almost nervous now thinking about it. And so I was like, just need an, an opportunity. Give me a window of opportunity to speak to the lads and I'll be over the moon. And a few steps in, you had three of the lads walk in and then uh, Tyler, Cody and Garrett, I think, were the three main golfers that played. I was stood fairly close to the entrance and Tyler pointed his finger straight at me and went, oh my God, Rick Shields, I watch all your reviews. I don't buy a club unless I've watched your reviews. And I was like, holy You could say it. You could say it. I was like, what the hell is happening right now? How the hell is Tyler coming? He he pointed at me. He he knew my frigging name. Mm -hmm. He comes over and says, I don't buy a club without watching. He was asking me about all the new clubs that were coming out this year. We must have chatted for, for, for hours that night. We played pool together. We played bowling. We had pictures. My head was was um, scrambled. I was like, "Oh my god!" You know, probably probably a few beers later. I don't I don't know if they drink, but certainly a few beers on my side later. Mm-hmm. I was I was asking them for a collaboration. Let's I'll come out to Dallas and we'll do some videos. And they would they were probably like, "Yeah, sure, whatever." <laughs> um, so so fast forward a couple of years. This was two thousand and seven. Now, gotcha. 2017, I noticed that they, the guys were coming over to the UK. They were doing some more filming with the football teams. I think they were doing some filming with Tottenham Hotspur this time, or Chelsea, I think it was actually. So, because of this meetup, I'd, I'd um, mean I'd become connected with Tyler. We'd stayed in communication on Instagram, and I just said, "Oh, I see you coming back over to the UK." He said, "Yeah, yeah." He said, "If if I find any time." You know, should we try and get a game? And I went, oh my god, yeah, absolutely. I'll, Lovely. I'll do it. I'll do anything. You know, if we can get a game, it'd be amazing. So he messaged me back and said, "Listen, I think there's an opportunity. I don't Tuesday morning, and this was Monday tomorrow morning that we've got a few hours spared. Do you fancy playing?" I went, "Yeah." And I said, "You know, I'm going to have to take this opportunity. Am, am I okay to film it for my YouTube channel?" He went, "Oh God, yeah, I'd expect you to." <laughs> So, so <laughs> all Christmases you know, came at once, didn't they? Oh my God! Um, so I literally charged every camera. Uh, me and a, me and a friend who also have a YouTube channel, we took on we took on those two in, in a match, and it was just it was heaven. It's the it's the number one video on my channel now, one point five million views. I mean, I would probably say Dude Perfect pulled in the audience on that one. The whale certainly uh, delivered <laughs> on that one. I'm just waiting for the retaliate with the invite onto their channel. 
I'll be honest, Cam. So if, if they are listening, <laughs> they I, listen I'll to the happily... podcast. So we, we yeah. have the request in. <laughs> Good. I'll happily, uh, I'll happily fly over on, on the very next flight to uh, to be on their channel. But the, the King Golfer Tyler's an unbelievable golfer for someone who I think he's just an unbelievable sports person anyway. But he seems to to take every sport in his stride. And he, and when we played, he was very impressive. Um, <laughs> so yeah, any opportunity to play with those guys would be great on their channel. I mean, they're, they're on like. 45 million subscribers now. It's unbelievable. Um, oh, the biggest, the biggest, the biggest. In every yeah. video they, they create, ten, I think they get a million views in the first hour. They get 10 million views in the first day. I mean, it's just bonkers. It's out of this world. You're right about oh. that. Yeah. So I guess the collaboration piece for you wasn't so much a pitch. It was just doing the right thing and posting videos and that getting in front of a set of eyes that ultimately when that meeting came would give you an opportunity, maybe not right then, but some number of years later to do something with them so yeah it all kind of circles back around doesn't it yeah earning your edge i suppose the, the legwork there was was you know creating the youtube channel in the first place and, and doing reviews that golfers regardless of whether they're in dude perfect or or they're a regular golfer would enjoy and and it happened to be the fact that our paths crossed and he and he liked the channel he liked the content and we kind of made a made a video work which was great yeah a couple more questions you've been great with your time for most in the world of coaching the opportunities of a, what we'll call an unconventional path which would be on the social media side although it's becoming more conventional those opportunities though are hidden in terms of like is it a viable career that someone can chase after could we explore that a little bit the at least the economic side of it and you didn't have to give specifics but just as, as general broad stroke as you want kind of um, hit the high points on if someone's out there wanting to whether they're a basketball coach a tennis coach or a golf coach hit the socials and start to create a business out of it what are the opportunities like it was fascinating because when i first started making youtube content there was no revenue stream that was available so there was no adsense there was no way of of earning money and i i you know so at the time i didn't even think it was an option i just i just presumed it was a platform you post a video on and people watch it and that's about it i don't know where the revenue came from but that was that was pretty much it my revenue was going to come from hopefully no students right yeah correct so so i did that for a few years and and my new students that i brought in far outweighed what i was spending on creating YouTube videos at the time. So for me, it was a viable business plan. For me, regardless of the money income that eventually came in from YouTube, at the time, the videos I was making, they were getting paid back by students coming in, booking sessions, taking on packages, becoming regular students. That's how I kind of saw the model. Purely an advertising and marketing expense on the front end. A hundred percent. And actually a very cheap one at that as well, because mm -hmm. really a bar my time to edit and film, once you pay for the equipment, it, it's done. And you yeah. don't need, you know, I was really using an iPad and, and an iPhone. It wasn't as if I needed all singing, all dancing equipment. Yep. You know, I got that as I developed. I wanted the best launch monitors and I wanted the best equipment and all of that. But at the time, that wasn't what it was about. Right. When YouTube became revenue, it was like, oh, this is nice. It was a nice little bonus. It was a nice little, you know, maybe I pay for that camera. Maybe I pay for a new camera. Maybe, you know, I developed that. I put it back into the business and grow it. How does that How does that come about? Did you, did you make a pitch to YouTube saying this is my pyramid of influence or did they just did you come up on their radar? Yeah, so what happened was, I can't remember the exact date, uh, it kind of all becomes a bit blurred, but there was a point in time where basically YouTube 
became a platform where it would pay the creators. So if you were getting a thousand views in a calendar month, you would get paid for that thousand views. Uh-huh. And, it, and it depend it depends on a lot of a lot of criteria. So where those views are coming from. Are they coming from the US? Are they coming from Europe? Are they coming from wherever? Because you get paid from different you get paid differently depending on the market that person's watched from. Uh-huh. That makes sense. Yeah, sure. And it was it's not, you know, for a thousand views, it's not it's not a lot of money. But when you start getting 10,000 views and 20,000 views and it starts to stack up and you start to think, well, hold on, this this could become now a standalone business. It could become a an opportunity of, of growth here that I didn't expect to be an opportunity of growth. So once I started developing and did the math a bit more, I realized, well, hold on, I'm now getting 100,000 views per month and I'm now starting to create an income that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is interesting because that's actually, that income now becomes more valuable of the time I spent than coaching does. Right. I was like, whoa, this has thrown thrown things in the air a little bit. This has really made me think. So I thought, well, hold on. If I put more time into YouTube, where does it get to? Because there's no ceiling. Because at the time, I was pretty much reaching the ceiling of what I could earn as a golf coach. I was coaching 60 hours a week at a very competitive hourly rate probably not a rate I could massively uh, jump into a different into a different category I was kind of somewhat hitting a ceiling I was somewhat hitting where my my coaching threshold of coaching income could could get me to mm-hmm. so I was like hold on what about if I started to do more YouTube what about if I started to you know look at getting 200,000 views a month 300,000 views but you know and, and it and it got to that and I was like well hold on if if I'm going to get to those numbers I need to now actually dial back my coaching and might now only need to do 50 hours of coaching and spend more time on on youtube so i took a day out my diary for coaching and i focused it purely and solely on on youtube creating more content better content and again then i thought well hold on if i take another 10 hours out my coaching diary can i get to a million views per month will it allow me to because of because of the way it's growing And, and it did and going back to what i would now see this is where I think things have changed, not for the better, truth be told. I feel like now too many creators come into YouTube knowing that it's a paid platform. And that for me isn't, this is where you often get disingenuous content because people are just genuinely chasing the views. Because, yeah, just chasing eyeballs, aren't they? Just pull them yeah. In. So the, the, now YouTube has put a criteria in place that you've got to hit certain thresholds before revenue becomes available. I can't remember what those thresholds are. Mm-hmm. I think it is something like a thousand subscribers, four thousand uh, minutes watched per month, something along those lines. The threshold. And if I'm honest, and I'm not doing, it doesn't bother me so much. But I, I almost think that threshold could could even go up higher. I think yeah. it should almost sit at like ten thousand. So one last point on the business side of it for those out there that are interested in chasing it, the Facebooks, the Instagrams and the Twitters, are they revenue generating platforms? Are they merely platforms to expand your reach and then bring people into your YouTube? Um, yeah, it's definitely used for that. It's a, it's an, an external platform that, that maybe attracts a different audience to what is already on YouTube. There's that, but also 
having these different platforms now, as I mentioned before, I've never received a single check from Twitter or mm -hmm. Facebook or Instagram. I do from YouTube slash Google every month, but none of the other three. But I've definitely earned money from those, but in a different way. So either, you know, like you said, directing people to my YouTube, that ends up turning into them becoming a, a viewer, that they watch more content, they consume more, it becomes a revenue stream potentially. But also, you know, sponsors. So I'm sponsored by, you know, Nike clothing, by Garmin, you know, GPS technology. That mm -hmm. Those numbers, when they're asking what my, what my audience is, what my reach is, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram becomes integral parts of that. Sure. You know, I, I've done social promotions. I don't do many outside, you know, so social posts that are paid posts for products that I believe in or products that I think are beneficial to, to my audience. But I never, I never step on the line of reviewing products or staying honest with my audience. So I never, I don't take a single penny from any manufacturer that makes golf equipment. I golf clubs, so none of the tailor-made Callaways. They don't, I don't deal with it. I would not accept payments from them. I've, I've turned down sponsorships from pretty much all of the main brands when it comes to paying, because I can't then review, in my opinion, a product if I'm being paid by said product potentially. Sure. Yeah. So I make money from social media in a different way because the numbers are there to entice sponsors to come in and become on board. You know, one of my missions next year is to, to have a million followers across all of the platforms because that seems to be the new number that, that you know, big sponsors are, are kind of aiming for now. They, they're looking, again, the threshold maybe of 100,000 Instagram followers doesn't cut it anymore because there's way more people who are at 100,000 Instagram followers now than there was two years ago. I understand. So social media, I think if you get, if going back to advice about against for coaches inside and outside of golf, use social media to promote your services is key. Creating content that is consistent and that is adding value back to the viewer is also key. How do you then start to make revenue from that becomes it becomes apparent as brands maybe want to start to get involved or YouTube starts to give you the, you know, if you're starting to get, for me, I would always put my hand on saying you need around about a million views per month for it to change the dial in revenue. Gotcha. So that's kind of where it needs to kind of be sitting really. Yeah. Great information. What does the mission map look like for you or said another way, if we're having the same conversation, if, well, five years from now, what would you like to have accomplished? Um, yeah, I'll be honest, it's a question I ask myself a lot. Mm -hmm. I think we all <laughs> um, should. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. And and I often come with I often come up with different conclusions. And the reason for that is it's not because not for the want of I, I want to know what's gonna happen in five years, but also if you asked me that question two years ago, the last two years have completely changed how I would have ever perceived the last two years to have gone in the fact that, you know, being invited to be a judge on the golf channel show driver versus driver two so mm -hmm. becoming now you know a voice in the mainstream media where i was judging entries of drivers for for wilson to make right i would have ever presumed that would have happened i would have, right. I would have never in a million years thought that was going to happen this last year 2018 i was um picked to host all of the open championship social media which again was something I hadn't I hadn't ever dreamt of or envisioned or been able to plan for. So 
for the things that I can control, I want to be making so the things that solely what I can control in the next five years. I still want to be evolving the content and evolving my information to reach the widest audience of golfers and non-golfers. And when I say non-golfers, in the sense that I want the content to be entertaining enough to non-golfers for them to want to tune in, yet the content is still preliminary, uh, it's still based and focused on golf. Yeah, golf is the vehicle. Yeah, golf is the vehicle. Correct. I get it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I want to attract, and, and, you know, I think this phrase gets thrown around a little bit too much, growing the game. And I think, you know, as, as much as we all in the industry want to grow the game, I don't believe anyone's come up with an answer to it yet you know it seems to be a loose a loose phrase i don't particularly vouch for growing the game but i want to be able to introduce golf to audience that may not have to a sports audience or to an audience that have maybe not see golf as their number one sport but has watched a piece of golf content and and have enjoyed that piece of golf content yeah absolutely in fact you're right at the top of your twitter page your quotation or i guess mission point there is i make videos to educate advise and entertain people around the world and you you do that for um clearly thousands of people hundreds of thousands of of people uh every day week month and we appreciate the enthusiasm and the passion you do that with I, i guess one final question here I think we know where people can learn more about you, but can you run us through the handles that they can search you on? And we'll certainly put these in the in the notes in the show. Yeah, I mean, the, the number one thing, I always wish I'd, I'd changed my channel name to something that was a little bit more generic. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's just my name. <laughs> so so you can find me on YouTube at Rick Shields. That's R-I-C-K. And my surname spelled oddly. It's S-H-I-E-L-S. And then all of handles that are searched with an, an at sign at the start is at Rick Shields PGA. So Rick Shields Professional Golfers Association. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. I mean, I feel I feel gutted, Cameron, that I've not had a chance to I, I'm so fascinated about you. Like, I feel <laughs> like I feel like we need I, I feel like I, I started a bit of a podcast at the end of last year and I'm I'm gonna reinvent it again for two thousand nineteen. I'd love you to be in a guest on on my podcast if if uh, Absolutely. No problem. We can go back and forth. How, and when you how get the hell? <laughs> correct. How the hell have I just spoke to, to Jordan Spieth's golf coach for the last how long? An hour odd? Yeah, and we're an hour and, and 20 not, minutes into it. <laughs> not, I've not even asked about Jordan. He's like literally one of my favorite players. I think he's so good for the game of golf. I think yeah. he's got such a phenomenal mentality. He's an unbelievable talent. Um, and, and I know you've coached him from a young age. I mean, he's just. He's one of my favorite golfers on the planet. Well, I appreciate that. I will certainly pass that on. I, I, I know you guys have crossed paths. You maybe even interviewed him at the Open Championship this year. And if not, then we'll certainly see you at the Open Championship this coming year. So you really have yeah, those exactly. same duties. I, I'll, I'll, I'm going I'm to hold you to that. There you go. Put your, put, your, <laughs> put your name in the hat for that job again. And then ultimately, yeah, exactly. when, when the guys from Dude Perfect get their act together and come to their senses and invite you back over, then we'll, we'll get a chance to interact here in Dallas. But, um, <laughs> Thanks for, the, thanks, thanks for your time, Rick. I really appreciate it. And I know and our listeners will absolutely love the conversation. Can I just say something as well? If, if you are one of my 
uh, listeners or, or fans, because I'm obviously I want to share this on my social. And you are new to Cameron's uh, Earn Your Edge podcast. Make sure you you subscribe to the podcast because has some phenomenal guests on. I'm not I'm not putting myself in that category, but you know, some of the guests that you've, you've had on the channel on the podcast have been so good and I've really enjoyed it and keep up the great work brilliant thank you mate thanks very much for listening to this episode if you want to learn more about Altus Performance go check out altusperformance.com you can also follow us on Twitter at Team Altus and Instagram at Altus Performance also thanks to Cordy Walker for his wonderful production work on this and coming episodes of Earn Your Edge 